<laughs> I'm glad that we're all old enough to appreciate that. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's... <laughs> Word, well, oh. two words. Two words. Two what words. does brand array mean? Well, array. Would array. Be Still two syllables. A, a spread. A collection. That's, yeah, that's probably the two. A collection best words. of brands. A collection of brands. It would also include the official banana hammock, which is a hammock that actually looks like a banana. <laughs> yeah. Can you picture that, Zach? Is it a carrier for a banana, <laughs> though? Yeah. Don't is Google it, but. <laughs> <laughs> or do. <laughs> Do, th- do they make that in women's small? <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> yeah, the kid size is the one that's a little bit that's controversial. Little, yeah, <laughs> man, don't yeah, don't order, hey yo. don't order that one with your credit card. <laughs> 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 okay, Honey? okay, Google. Hey Siri. Honey. I was going over our, uh, your search history yeah. as part of our marital <laughs> yeah. counseling agreed once a month. Right. Uh, what, is, what is this youth large banana hammock? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Andy. Hello. Andy, how do you say your last name? Laura. Laura, okay. Right. He's the creator of Laura Bars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is why I'm here. <laughs> Let's talk about that. New, f- new flavors? <laughs> uh, mandals. Mandals. Yeah. mandals. It's the taste of man sandals. Good thing it's not like mandangles or something. <laughs> you don't want it's an array of man sandals. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it tastes like durian. <laughs> durian. Breadfruit. What is dur- is durian breadfruit? You're saying words I don't know. I What's think I, aren't they the same? I'm I'm pretty sure they're the I same. Think. I think it, the breadfruit is the common name. Like durian's it's actually the nasty smelling fruit. It smells like armpit, apparently. Right. It's a, it's a big spiky fruit. They're, okay. Yeah. It's supposedly it could save the world. Like in India, it's like if they actually used it correctly, it could provide like for all their poverty issues. And Andrew, Andrew Zimmern has uh, you can make featured like, it on one of his shows. Yeah. You can make like rope ladders from the meat. Oh, wow. And it tastes terrible. Yeah. But people eat it. It smells terrible. Some people yeah. say it's a delicacy. And it's got spikes on it. So it's almost telling you, don't eat me. Exactly. Don't it's, indulge. It's a very defensive fruit. <laughs> it gets triggered. Easy to offend. Some fruit is offensive and some is defensive. <laughs> so, Andy, I was not here the last time that you were on. Um, yeah. So I really don't know you. These guys had the pleasure of... Yeah. A couple things right. have happened. Yeah. And I came as a sidekick. So you it, were, maybe but, I still am now. But, but you kind of steal... You have a way of like... Kind of being in there enough, you're, you subvert the whole thing where people end up wanting more of Andy by the time <laughs> the show's done. Because you were here with Mike Erie. Right. And Mike Erie is still doing his thing. That's right. But you are not. I'm not. I was on the last show that came out today. Okay. So, because he was in town. And so I hit him up and I was 
trying to find out if he was doing an episode this week. I was like, well, I can just, if I can come over if you just want to do a show. Mm. So, yeah. Nice. That was fun. So what, what, what happened with um, that? Because um, shortly after you came on promoting Vox and Mike was here mm-hmm. and Vox community and uh, just the Vox podcast, right? which you'll figure it, it out. It's not the Vox magazine or whatever. Vox right. Multiple Voxes. Right. But funny, we just own VoxPodcast.com. So... They dropped the ball. Yeah, everyone yeah. else. It's like, well, domains kind of yeah. <laughs> set the set the trademark. So dibs. Yeah, and the Vox thing that was like a home church. Yeah. So the um, originally in 2015 in October, um, Mike started the Vox podcast. Right. So after he'd left EV Free um, and a number of other mega churches over <laughs> over the years. Right. And um, he 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 wanted to start another church, but he really wasn't sure. He didn't want to go into another church and try to change his culture. Right. Because he's like, there's all these things I really want to talk about, but I don't know who would show up. And so it's like, let's start here. We'll start with the podcast sure. and then let's see if, if enough people are interested and see if a church can be formed out of it. And so four months after doing the podcast, then timing just worked out with the, the, uh, the venue he wanted to be in became available. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think I th- it makes sense. Like by then we were doing like 10,000 downloads per month and it was like okay people are like you know right into this so uh, we put out the call and tried to get interest for people to actually physically show up to his home and share what what the what a church would look like and then uh, long story short 80 people officially signed on to plant a church with us and then um we in may of 2016 we opened up at the placentia unified school district performing arts center hmm. that's at el dorado high school right yep so we've been nice. there for two years. Yeah. Going strong. Yeah. Yeah, it's going well. I mean, it's been packed with all kinds of fun drama, so but uh it's it's going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, we kind of have to ask about specifics and you can say yay or nay, but fun drama like church church drama behind the scenes stuff shifting. Um I I'd have to say it's probably not the norm. I mean, well, for one, our the fact that we're still there speaks to the success of like what we kind of started, I think. Um, but specifically speaking, yeah. So about uh, how long did it take? Mm, left in February. Okay, so in 2017, in the fall, um, Mike decided to move back to Ohio. So his mom is sick. Um, he isn't doing so well. So it was kind of the need for an environmental change paired with, um, he had a couple of health things too, right? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, Mike, uh, Mike's always been pretty transparent and open about his mental health issues. Um, with that, um, also, um, he actually had, uh, what's it called? A fibrillal uh, tribulation or atrial, atrial fibrillation on whatever I just said. Um, Scott's an atrial pre-tribulationist. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so he, he started to kind of start stacking a bunch of, um, different health issues. And so part of it was, you know, a big environment change might actually help with some of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, with, with him leaving, um, he didn't resign from the church at that time. It was rather, he needed to relocate to Ohio, kind of not knowing how long he'd be there indefinitely or whatever that looked like. Um, he moved and honestly it, it became, um, it actually just became really difficult to have him sit kind of as a, a 
you know, the visioneering kind of mm-hmm. person on the team to really like work with what was happening at the church locally here. Right. And it was the part, you know, so we, I was bringing him uh, to actually teach over Skype, which was working great. And part of um, one of our visions we started with in the beginning was to actually have a teaching team instead. And so it wasn't just him. We actually had three other people on staff that were also teaching. Is that uh, to avoid like a one single guy running yeah. all of the show? No. Yeah. And part of it, and there's a bit of a, there's even an irony here. I can speak to it. You know, one of the, the tensions that we've held that we've tried to, you know, reshape is that, you know, we don't think that teaching actually should be the center of, you know, a liturgical experience when you go to church on a Sunday, especially when you can get the best teaching 24 seven at any given time, you know, this day and age, you know, what? Joel Osteen.com, Jeff, right? Mm. There you go. I prefer Joe's. Joyce Mayer. Okay. <laughs> you ever feel like God gave you the wrong voice? <laughs> That's pretty much what she sounds like. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. Find I don't know. It. I was. Just, I'm gonna I was find making it. a joke. Yeah. No, there's a, being serious. No, there's just yeah. There's a service she did because my wife was listening to her one day and she was killing me with it. Like she was explaining this joke she was telling how because she has this really like gnarly low commanding kind of voice. <laughs> it's just it's really funny. <laughs> Joyce uh, Meyer. <laughs> I'm gonna pop, I'm gonna put in a uh, little clip right next to yours. You gotta find it. Just <laughs> really successful Christians that know how to defeat the devil. We're gonna have to have a little bit of commitment and a little bit of strength and a little bit of willpower to go through some things and not just give up every time something doesn't feel good. Can anybody say Amen? Um. So what it, you know, we kind of expected that you know, the church would take almost a bigger kind of health hit when Mike moved to Ohio. Like, you know, we'd see a drop in attendance or we kind of see the culture shift or the vision shift. But um, everyone was so all in on what we were doing that it didn't we didn't really feel a bump. So then over time, um, as we kept had to bomb Mike out just just a little bit. He could never admit it. Yeah. But, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Right. It's like they're still they're still going when I'm not there. Right. I mean, so, so everything's like everything's fine. You sure? I mean, are you sure are you everything's sure? fine? Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to work on some stuff. I'm going to get back to you and we can fix yeah. some of these issues. Like, no, no, everything's yeah. everything's fine. Um, so some of the tension that we started to feel on the staff was more so like we wanted to be a bit more locally responsive to what the community was doing, you know, and for us to articulate that to Mike and kind of get clarity on what what to do next and kind of set vision. Um, it did, it did become difficult, you know, to be honest, but so then, um, not, um, so with, I'm trying to remember now, like it's just, it's almost, what month is it now? This is like six months ago. So I'm just, I'm just like tapping into my memory yeah. bank here, but, um, ultimately he, he resigned in February, um, officially, um, to really back out really to release the church kind of into our leadership, uh, so that we could be more responsive to the community and, and kind of keep it there, which of course was hard. I mean, it's hard to tell Mike that. You know, if we keep if this keeps going, it actually means what we started works. Right. Because it's, mm-hmm. you know, two years into any church plant and your kind of senior leader, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, decides that they need to leave. The likelihood that your church is going to thrive is is especially pretty unlikely. Mike, Mike is a strong personality. Right. And he's a great guy and he's he's got some charisma. So that. Right. That's uh, definitely in play there. Right. Exactly. But I mean, that's I think that's where it really showed us. So the community was in for what we were trying to accomplish. You know, they, we were always kind of really trying to help them realize that for us, Eucharist is the center of what, of why we come to church. So it's like doing that in community um, has so much importance and so much meaning beyond just how good your one teacher is going to be or any teacher that we put on stage and how good they're going to be. 
um, I was going to say that, so I mentioned before, there was kind of this irony of creating a teaching team as a way to kind of deflect like singular, like teaching attraction and so to ideally decentralize the idea of teaching away from Sunday. Then it actually became really appealing by the fact that we had multiple teachers. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's funny. So it almost became like, oh, that's actually a huge advantage. So we, we still ironically made it really important without like trying to make it less important. So now it's, we're trying to think like, well, what does it look like to not, not even teach on a Sunday sometimes? Like, mm -hmm. well then what is, you know, what do we do and what do we, how do we shape that experience and, and consider those things? So, but. Wow. And you're, so you're on staff there? Yeah. So I'm the yeah. creative director, one of the founders of, yeah. you know, four of us. And so. That's a trip though, that the podcast blew up. You start a community mm -hmm. and the podcast I know for you guys was the priority. Right. But then things have shifted for you. Right. So the podcast, um, the podcast and even still drives a dialogue of death, yeah. you know, that you is hard to kind of get if you just attend a church, right? right? I mean, that's that's been the beauty of doing that is when you know, all the churches I've gone to, the only thing I could access as far as a conversation beyond the teaching is what a conversation with my small group or whatever it was. I mean, I could, since I worked on different church staffs, yeah, I could talk to one of the other pastors or a friend that was there and just talk about what we just taught. But if we wanted to have, you know, much further dialogues around, those implications of those teachings around culture and society and, you know, how, well, how does that teaching, you know, work with actually trying to, you know, love and serve the LGBTQ community? How do you deal with that? How do you wrestle with that? And mm -hmm. there just wasn't a space where it felt like you could ask those questions and you could come away with some form of process and like, you know, figuring that kind of thing out. It, it always kind of felt for me in church experiences that I was, the idea was always to try to work towards getting in line with the way that they think, you know, in the way that they you know, do faith in the way that they do church, mm -hmm. you know, not that all these questions are valid questions and we just need to be able to create room for people to process and actually be able to talk about these things and ask these questions without judgment and, you know, and grow together. Um, one of the ideas that we kind of hold is, you know, the church for us is about invitation and not coercion, you know, so it needs to feel like you're invited to the conversation and we're able to have the conversation. We're not trying to rush you into conclusion. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much good stuff out there um, theologically that you could press into in discussion and like, it's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's talk about universalism. Let's talk about, you know, annihilationism. Let's talk about, um, I mean, all kinds of things, Yeah, you know, that, that, and it's just, there's actually a lot of good information on all sides of these things. That's worth sitting and trying to figure out. And, right. um, and it shouldn't just be kind of thrown out or it's like, oh, now you're down a dangerous path. It's just like, what's that right. dangerous path that for a week maybe I'm like not sure if I believe what I believe? Like, yeah. So. Take it. Go. Were no, you talking? No. Before, before we came on, you were talking about your family and it seemed like things are really healthy. And it's the first I've ever heard you speak because first time we ever met. Yeah. But listening um, to what you just said, I'm curious as to... Um, within that environment of not family, but with, uh, you know, the business of church and everything that you do outside of that, what are the, uh, just biggest challenges you've been going through in the, hmm. over the last year? I'd say, <laughs> yeah. Um, cause that's about when maybe it was a year or two ago that you were on with Mike. Right. I didn't, okay. I, I only left the podcast probably three months ago now, yeah. so I haven't been off that long. Um, but yeah, man, well, I don't know that I can pin it on what's one of like the biggest, you know, kind of challenges. Um, 
wonder if I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the guy that also maybe compartmentalizes some of like where the, the challenges are, you know, mm-hmm. like I could definitely say like, well, here's what's really challenging about kind of this type of church plant in this situation. And, you know, um, so I think it's, if, if I look at it in one way, I mean, a lot of it is, is balancing a lot of the in and out thoughts of just how I function. Cause it's like, it's hard for me to, oops, it's hard for me to turn off, you know, when I go home, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, because it's, it's like, I've realized also too, I'm very much an entrepreneur. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't shut off. There's always an idea. There's right. always a way to like do something. It's like, because I have this thought at 9 PM doesn't mean I need to hold it till the next day. There's, there might be something I can do right now to kind of spark it and kind of conceptualize something that might be valuable for the next two days to come. You know, it's always, um, that's the hardest part is trying to figure out how do you, how do you click into kind of having a really full and healthy way of doing parenting and, you know, doing marriage, you know, when at the same time you, you feel this deep sense of catalyst and purpose and meaning around a lot of things, not just one thing. I mean, you know, I love doing ministry, but I love craft beer and I love coffee and I love like small business ideas and small nonprofit ideas. I mean, I can, I'm, I'm, if you're looking for that person that you want to throw something at to get a big reaction with a ton of stuff that's going to come back on just one single thought. Like I'm, I'm that guy. It's so it's kind of, I don't, but I think that's kind of the, what's it called? It's kind of the plight of an entrepreneur where there's going to be maybe, you know, whatever 50 things I fail at. And then the one thing's going to happen right. and it's just going to be like, you know, that's going to just take over everything that's from there good. on out. So I don't, I haven't found that thing yet. Um, you know, podcasting has become definitely kind of the thing I'm most excited about right now. And so I have lots to say about just the entire like industry and process of podcasting. I think it has such an incredible fit kind of in the church world right now. And it's so untapped. It's just like, it's such an incredible opportunity. And it's just like, man, you you guys, what are you doing? Like, you got to get here, like and get on this. Yeah. Did you have a, did you guys read that a while back Christianity Today had an article about, not sure if it was directly about podcasting, but maybe it wasn't even Christianity Today now that I think about it, but basically about how people aren't a lot of people don't feel the need to go to church or churches are a little bit freaked out at losing people because there's so much good stuff available hmm. and they're trying to like trying to lock it down the art the gist of the article is basically like you still need to have a place to to go like right which i can there's a good argument for having community and a safe place to go and to develop and to have accountability and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it struck me more as like, let's protect our normal sources of control because we're losing people right. because of podcasting. So, which goes back to my first point about how we do Vox is that if teaching is, yeah, your number one thing and that's what you've waited your whole church on, then yeah, you could end up being in trouble because it's like if that, for one, if a lot of the control and power is held by that one person, and they make a, you know, catastrophic mistake. I mean, we've seen all this now. Like, you know, we've got Driscoll, we've got Hybels, we've got some of the big... Well, he's naming names. <laughs> you know, like the, some of these, you know, folks that are just falling apart. And the it's other like, guy we talked about, now I'm blanking on his name, the other big one. He's the big in dog. In New York? No. Tim Keller? Keller. Yeah, the mistake he made, man, he really crashed and burned. No, not Tim Keller. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, wait a minute, I, was, I, I haven't heard about Keller. He had to step down because of a drinking drinking problem. Yeah, Perry Noble. Oh, Perry Noble. Yeah, yeah. Perry Noble. South Carolina, maybe. Uh, Carolina? South Carolina. It's um, New Spring. Not Tim yeah. Keller. Okay, I take that back. Sorry, people. <laughs> Jeez. Right. 
Jeff email Jeff. Jeff almost had a heart attack. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's that's the danger of if your church feels like it's built on the success of that one person, if you can immediately kind of be like, if that person wasn't there, would I still come? There should be a lot of questions that follow, right? I mean, because it's just, it doesn't, when you look at the Bible, community isn't designed to look that way. But I think it's an easy question to ask anyone who's really a part of a church. If you really ask them, like, well, if this person wasn't there, would you still go? It's like, okay, then why, if, if not, then why are you going? You know, because like you could easily just listen to this person on right. a Sunday, like in, on the podcast sermon, or you could listen to this other teacher over here. I mean, this guy is just ripping off this guy. You know, like, why even bother? So, and, and they all explain like, oh, it's just better being in the room and hearing it. It's like, okay, you know, I, I get that. There's a mm-hmm. bit more of a different like emotion there. So then you have to ask the other question, what are the other things in the room that are actually incredibly spiritually meaningful to do that you, you simply can't do in a bedroom at your house, right? I think there is something spiritually valuable to, you know, a hundred people in a room singing together, like actually, you know, doing worship and that kind of thing together. I think yeah. there's something incredibly powerful about a whole room taking communion together, you know, knowing that even if I disagree with this person that's actually serving communion, this is the one center thing that neutralizes us, that yeah. makes us alike, that makes us a thing that we can actually pause. And we both realize in this moment, we have to give up something to even experience this well. Um, you know, these are, you know, even corporate liturgy, like reading a scripture aloud together, you know, corporate confession, like these are things that when you, you do have them in a communal experience are unique. And I think that, you know, teaching has followed the road of, you know, kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a huge controlling factor for one, especially if it's one person really dictating the, the spiritual direction of the community and the financial organization of the community. Um, we've separated that at Fox. So we have two different people who focus on that. So we, we, we have a very, Sense, big sensitivity to not having a conflict of interest in those areas. Um, but yeah, that's just, I, we, we think teaching is incredibly valuable and it is the thing that, you know, actually sets up where vision goes. But if all you're there is to do that, you're kind of missing out on a lot of other things that the people of God were kind of meant to experience, in my opinion. Mm. Now, first of all, do you, are you trying to fit in all of the words or do you usually talk this fast? I actually just talked this We're fast, wind, you so. like you wind up and then you just go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say if it is if you do you feel like you're got to go just No. You got time no, and, I just yeah, and, and it's always after the fact that I'm like, man, I'm talking way too fast. That's all right. <laughs> so based off what you were talking about with you know, how the church is organized and the direction it's going and there's, you know, multi, there's a team of people that are going to they're going to speak and there's mm-hmm. going to be different messages and it's going to be a different tone from different person whoever it is right um do you ever i mean are you all getting together and constantly looking through the lens of whatever the vision is and Mm -hmm. adjusting i mean is that a big deal yeah oh it's huge i mean we meet every tuesday and because we don't do a lot you know we're not running a bunch of other you know sub ministry programs sunday is very much the thing and we have a couple other events of community things that we do and being only two years in like we're you know it's nice that we don't have um, like all these other things to manage. If anything, it's really, f- we've always been trying to figure out what's the best way to just create a DNA, to create a culture and like, but, and have folks really understand what it means to embody what our core values are. Um, and I guess to set that, so the, the three core values is the church uh, must be the safest place to talk about anything. Um, the church must love and serve the world and not stand in judgment of it. And the church must captivate the generations. And so, 
when we kind of start from there, then we're able to create things that respond to that kind of value. So with the church being the safest place to talk about anything, we have a text phone number that's up during the sermons to basically text in questions that you have about the sermon. And then the following week, we answer them from stage or we answer them on Facebook Live. Oh, we, wow. we, engage the con- we engage those conversations and we're not afraid of someone saying like, well, I've heard this or I've heard that or what are you going to do about this? Or, what are you going to do about that? And it's like, we, we just talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, we're not afraid to like answer something that someone is trying to challenge in the community. It's great. I mean, it's pretty any, sweet. Yeah. So there's that. Um, a lot of the stories that we do are actually live. Um, the way we do them is this past Sunday, we actually took out teaching all together and we just did like a 25 minute sit down to actually share a story and share an experience instead. And so we kind of, we do our best to get away from trying to leverage the idea of presentation of something from mm-hmm. a stage and try to figure, continue to figure out how do you actually really make the church feel like it, there is an open dialogue. It is more or less they're experiencing a conversation around faith and around like what gospel actually looks like instead of just throwing it out there and saying, here's how it is. And you should be compelled to respond this way. And so, and then, and then try to call them to action, you know, so when you go out this week, you know, try to do these things. Right. (laughs) So I don't know. That's just, we all grew up in that and we've just found ourselves fatigued by feeling like, wait, no, but I have all these questions or how, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure about the way you said this one thing feels really weird, but so it's like, I'm not going to be compelled to do anything if I'm sitting in tension because maybe I don't agree with what is I'm actually being taught. And one funny thing I've always kind of felt was, you know, sometimes a pastor will usually say something like, you know, well, don't, you know, don't take, you know, my word for it. Go and read it yourself kind of thing. It's like, right. but what if I come up with a different conclusion? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, that just assumes that I'm going to actually arrive at the same conclusion you did. Right. When it's like, <laughs> how many people are in the room here? What's the likelihood that yeah. they're all going to read it the exact same way and arrive at the same conclusion? Turns like, out, pastor, I read it for myself and I have some thoughts about what you were saying about it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I like the pulpit if I could. so if you don't mind i'm gonna go ahead (laughs) now i just find it interesting when you have one pastor one leader Mm -hmm. uh the vision is a lot of time cast by that leader and then everybody falls in line and that's the way it goes and that's why i asked the question if you have three or four people that are a team of people Mm -hmm. you have challenges and advantages advantages you spoke to and but the challenges of not having like that specific vision from one um, creates this flexibility. And I guess having been to a couple of the churches, flexibility is not a good thing <laughs> at some churches. And I've been to very few. But um, I mean, one being Catholic when I was younger, another being a, a compass and another being uh, crossroads out in uh, the city of Corona. And I could tell just looking back at just my moments there that you couldn't change anything and things were going to be set a very specific way. And so then you have, you know, the church that uh, Zach and I are at and there's, you know, there is a leader, there is a vision, but it's being, there's, already flexibility um in kind of our 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 statement as you walk through um the doors um and then there's your church where there's three or four people and they are speaking through the lens almost probably like there's a i mean you're not checking the boxes but you're going through like are we captivating are we what were the other 
Oh, the church must be, must be right. a, the safest space to talk about anything. We must love and serve the world, not stand in judgment of it. Right. So right. just, I mean, if you've done that, which is really seems very easy to do if you love people and you're, you know, you're preaching the word. Uh, I'm, I guess I, I've known where you have more than one person and things just fall. Sure. Well, and I can be more specific to that. Like we have, it's, it, we actually, the way our team's been hired out, everyone like has their own lane, so to speak. And then there's just crossover in certain areas. Sure. Right. So since those are the core values set, everyone that's on the team agrees to those core values. So it's like when we're putting stuff in and trying to figure out things we want to do, it's all looking through that optic. Right. But um, the two folks we have hired for our teacher team on staff, um, Ronnie Roa, his his pastor responsibility is spiritual formation and community development. So that's actually setting more the vision tone for teaching and like developing the community. So it's his responsibility to bring to us, you know, where do you want to go with teaching for the next six months? Or, you know, how is this going to line up with a certain area that we're at and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So we give him that responsibility and that permission already. Like I can, if we all felt, you know, collectively that we didn't agree with that direction, then we all have permission to voice that and then really like work that out and figure out why, if that's true. Um, so far in this situation, we're like, no, we're, we love that direction. And so let, let's go in that direction. And so we, it's just that our team is designed in such a way where no one kind of holds necessarily, um, a singular, like authoritative advantage over another, you know, I mean, now I could speak to what might be the best marketing idea or communications idea. Cause that's, that's the land I'm supposed to own. But um, it's also open that if someone disagrees with something that I want to do, that's a welcome conversation. That's not like, well, I know what I'm, I'm doing and that's not really for you to say. It's actually like, oh, no, that's really worth considering and taking that. You know. can, can you think of a time where you actually have had a conflict where people are like started to question? I don't think you're going down the right lane. Um, on our staff, not specifically. I can say that. I only ask because yeah. it seems like people in the church, like through our feedback and Q&A, have said stuff like that. Okay. But, it, but I mean, it's just it's. It, it's it's a really interesting, you know, kind of thing. Like there'll be you know, one person said like, well, when are you, you know, this is obviously ridiculous, but it's like, well, when are you going to start teaching that gay people are wrong? Like, you know, it's like those are the questions. They're just wrong. Yeah. You know, they're just wrong. It's like, you know, so, and so obviously it's like, well, we're not, you know, it's like, that's not, we're not, we would not even enter the conversation that way for one. Like, right. But it's like, okay, but someone in the room is there thinking that it's, it's interesting. And right. I would ask like, I, if they're still here, I, I would just wonder, I'm like, what are you still doing here? Like, I just, right. it, it, I, that's fascinating because something's drawing you here, yes. you know? Um, you know, we've had plenty of little conflicts. I mean, uh, worship has been an interesting one, you know, because, um, Izzy, um, our worship leader, um, has a very, um, kind of specific approach to her song selection and how she's doing things. She's very, I don't say, want to say the word anti, but she has such a strong sensitivity to what pop Christian music has actually looked like. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's not a lot of common stuff that we'll play. I mean, a lot of stuff is deep cuts from other things that, but when you hear the songs, like theologically, they're fantastic, you know, and you're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that song will never be a hit, but for a community to be singing that language right. and to be, you know, kind of, worshiping through that lens is different and unique. And, um, it just, it's actually, I feel like what we've done with our, with the church is we've kind of given some integrity back to people instead of like try to predecide, you know, for them, here's how everything's going to go. And here's just what you need to do as a church community. 
because of offering them Q&A during teaching sermons, they've actually shaped a lot of the future of where the church kind of has arrived at because it helped us to understand where are people at? Like, what are really the questions people want to wrestle with and know about? And so that would even inform teaching. And so I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Like, dude, I could do a whole sermon on that question. Right. So it's like the community itself has actually started to shape more of how mm-hmm. the church actually functions instead wow. of just like, you know, from the top down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's the same like in that case with worship. So it's just, you know, and we don't look at response as, well, if everyone's standing and raising their hands, then we must be doing something right. Um, you know, the compelling thing about that is there was one service where there's a guy sitting like three rows back and didn't move the whole service. I can see him from the side stage and he wasn't making any facial expressions. Like, nothing. What's his first and last name? Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Robert uh, Strange. Um, <laughs> All right, Bobby. All right. What's the deal? So anyways... Um, as I was talking to people up front, like after service, that guy was still sitting there as people were leaving and, and going. Never He never stood during worship, did anything like that. Looked like he was just, you know, pretty stonewalled. Um, we keep two prayer walls up near the, the stage where people can just write down prayers, like on a little kind of scroll, leave it. And we have a team that prays for those people. Everyone, like, had finally kind of, like, left the room. And this guy, like, moseys over to that prayer wall and, like, spends, like, five minutes over there writing something down and puts it in the wall and then he leaves. Hmm. Right? Like, I can't, it's like, we just have to realize that we can't look at, you know, kind of this overly homogenous, very thin way of expecting that worship must be working if the room is emotionally right. charismatic, right? At that, the very least, holding the baby. Right. Holding the baby. What are the other ones? Raising a two by four. Two by four. <laughs> you, if, you're, if you're holding a flat screen TV, you're a little bit wider than the baby. You know, that's not bad. Steps. That's not bad. You know, so it's so with worship, again, it's it's invitation, not coercion. So we're, we say, like, you have permission to not stand at all. If today is the day you just need to sit and just hear and just listen, like, that's welcome. And there is some people who who will stand and there's some people who won't. And so we've had to really remove from our psyche that, you know, not to feel like a Sunday was successful because of, like, how much energy was in the room, like, during worship and all of that. It just isn't a measure for how we do things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, Zach, Zach actually does. Sometimes I miss the nine o'clock and he played. I'm like, how'd it go? He's like, it was amazing. It was amazing. Worship was amazing. Anybody come to Christ? No, no, no. The music was great. I'll see you later. <laughs> I think I've ever Sound guy that. was crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, first service is almost never amazing. So. The bass was fantastic. It's the warm up for second service. So, it's a contemplative service. Right. Yeah, exactly. You just got to, you just got to spin it that way. I'm just kidding. Sorry, Andy. It's <laughs> all great. No. no, that was it. I don't know. Where I was going else with that. That's okay. I did have a question about communion um, for you guys because you seem, I think, from what I know, you do communion a little more differently, a little more open than a lot of churches do. A lot yes. of churches have more parameters on who can and can't take communion. Right. Will you mention a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, tra- yeah. yeah. Traditionally speaking, um, well, I guess in what tradition? But I guess in the evangelical tradition, if we go there. Um, it's, it's, and I, I was raised in this too. So it was more so you didn't take communion unless like you had already accepted Christ. It was more of like, now you can take it because you've accepted, you know, the weight of the cross. So now you can really connect with its symbolism and, and all that. Um, I don't know the scripture off the top of my head. I follow it cause Mike has done, we've done like two podcasts on this. So it's like, he's done it. I'm like, I'm in like, it's, I totally subscribe to where he's gone with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's primarily around the warning that Paul makes about communion. A lot of times it's um, it's been taken as like a spiritual conversation of like for as if we just transported it to us as if we were taking communion. 
But when we actually go down to the text and really understand what's taking place in that that entire Jewish story is Paul's actually warning the rich about them eating too much prior to going and taking communion with the poor. And so it's like when you do this, it looks like you're actually disrespecting the poor by coming and being like, I've eaten too much and I've done this and like, or I drank too much. It's right. like, it's actually, you're not allowing yourself to find yourself as equals mm. as you go and take communion. And so it's like, when you look at that actual part of the story, somehow we've transported it to think that it's like, well, no, I'm supposed to have confessed that Jesus Christ is my savior in order for me to take communion. And the funny thing is when you look at all the circumstances in which the table is the center of conversations, it's like the entire community is out there, you know, in fellowship where Jesus is teaching or talking or hanging with the Pharisees or whoever it is. It seemed very obvious that Jesus was a welcome and, you know, um, host in order to invite people to eat with him anyways. Um, I don't think Jesus is mad to the guy that's been an atheist his whole life and goes and takes communion for the first time with his wife. Mm -hmm. you know, as a way to kind of be like, I'm interested in Jesus. Like, I kind of like, I want to. Which was a thing, right? That you're right. referencing an actual story right. from your church, I think. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's specifically a story. And it's, I mean, that's when I look at that, I, th I can imagine Jesus being the one standing like in a doorway in like a small community and just being like, yeah, my tape, my table's open. I want people to come right. in. I want people to meet me. It's like, why would, you know, spending time with him limit us in that in that kind of way and so mike's done all the scriptural work to really kind of break down open communion and what that looks like the methodist has been doing it you know ever since that you know has been around so it's not it's not a new thing it's just it's a new thing if you want to i mean i don't call us an evangelical church but it's like we kind of came from you know an evangelical dropout mm -hmm. if you will and so that's not it, it feels contrasting for a lot of the folks that have come to Vox because we've all grown up in that other tradition. Right. So Mike spent a lot of time kind of like hashing all of that out. And uh, frankly, it's 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 an amazing thing. I mean, I think that the, the warnings that you should take are for those of us that have the warnings are actually more for those who already are Christians, not for the ones who aren't. You know, whenever you read about communion or even approaching God in worship, the warning is to those who are actually already worshipers. I mean, like, what about us who walk in there who are pissed off at our parents or angry at a brother or sister or whatever, right. but yet we approach community and just kind of pretend everything's fine. <laughs> like God has a lot to say about that. He's like, don't even like, I don't even want you coming to worship me. If you're holding, you know, grudges against someone else, go and reconcile with them first before even coming back to me. Well, I'm, I'm poor, I'm poor and hungry. So right. I could use a wafer right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's really gonna wet the palate. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I already drink boosh. <laughs> You know, but but that's the thing. How often do we take like that seriously? Right. We will put way more tradition on the idea of like, you know, what, you know, the other form of communion looks like. But then really when we offer communion, does a pastor ever say, you know, and before you take this, you know, if you're sitting in a place of tension and you're unreconciled with a friend, like this is a great moment to pause and not come to communion and go take care of that first. Have you ever heard that? Like, I've never heard that like ever some, said to some, me. Some pastors do it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. You want to throw a shout out to some pastor? No, some pastors do it. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's, there's seems like a maybe a mix between or mixing up breaking bread together and communion, which is you know two separate things. Am I breaking up here? What am I doing? Am I? Uh, You're okay. It might be the, the is your headphones. I don't know. You sound just, great in my ears. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have do to this in remembrance of because yeah, I I I would, I would take it as uh, yeah. You can, Whenever someone you who's not a believer, you, for them to take communion, I, yeah, 
I'll have to, I'll have to do some more research. Right. Mm. Right. This doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> taking taking part taking part in the body the the body and the blood of Christ when you you don't believe it and just yeah. Just but but that's a good question though. But why would they take it if if they didn't believe it? You see what I'm saying? Like it didn't. It wouldn't feel like. What are we like? Passively, if they had the option not to take it, like okay, I have an option to take this or not. They but feel pressure. There's peer pressure of not getting up. I think no, that's the real. That's it's not probably bad. the most. If they don't believe, that's probably to me that's the most obvious thing. That sure, they, would, they don't want to sit there while their family goes up. Or, sure, yeah, which happens. That's fair. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and there's grace for that too. How about that? Is that good enough for now until you get your questions? What do you mean, Greg? I saw Zach. <laughs> what do you mean? I saw Zach sitting in his mean? family, his, his, his girls, Grace his wife. What do you, you get your <laughs> theology straight? Yeah. Well, that's, and, that's, and Zach sat on the. He just sat there and didn't go. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. But you're saying yeah. have grace for Zach. I'm curious. Yeah, have grace for even <laughs> Zach, who just it just sits the whole worship service. He's just old. Yeah. When there, I I didn't <laughs> Bad take knees. I didn't take communion for more than a year because yeah. I didn't think I should. Yeah, there's there's bad yeah, boy. many as bad boy. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's part of the pastor's job or the maybe not. A, maybe you don't have a pastor. I'm not sure. But the part of one of whoever's there to kind of say, hey, you know, if, if you have that a grudge against your brother, go reconcile mm. it first. Or hey, if you don't believe in Jesus, um, this isn't for you. This is for believers. One year. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you thinned out. You gave up bread <laughs> on <know>. Sundays. <laughs> that yeah, morsel. It's the alcohol. Yeah, I wonder that what morsel. what it means when whenever you eat or drink, do this in remembrance of me. Is that like a just a special one time? Is that like the Passover meal only, or is that more extensive? Mm-hmm. Like when whenever you're gathered together, do it in remembrance of me. No, I think there's a body, specific context for taking in body and blood and remembrance and breaking bread together as as in fellowship there's two separate things okay mm-hmm. all right can't we mm-hmm. just, just break yeah because the nuance <laughs> yeah because the nuance i'd make on that is that it's 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 an invitational remark you know so the way that jesus is offering it out so it's like well who are we have to then break down well, who who does it sound like he's inviting you know, we know we know it was the upper room, like where you know it says the disciples are there. Um, I think I I want to go back and feel like was it only the disciples that were there though? You know, so it's kind of that's that plays a role in understanding what that invitation actually looks like too. By the way, they, all those guys or most of them had no idea who like the what Jesus was. I mean, they still thought Jesus was the reason they were so devastated and scattered after he died is that. They still thought somehow this was a messiah, like messianic overtaking of Rome, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that possible? What? But what does that have? Like, mean, why are you saying that means in this context? Their view of Jesus was incorrect while they were at that table being invited to it. I don't know. Just food for thought. Yeah. I just, they were I bo- under underdeveloped, but they were they were they were believers. They were there because they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. So I think that still, still makes yeah, maybe. A, a difference. In the caveat, the only caveat I would make of that is that so in the Gospel of John, up to the point where they offer communion, is then when that which is basically the washing of the feet story, 
And in that whole story, four times he's actually calling out Judas. So it's like a lot of times we look at the story as just like, oh, Jesus and like the servant, you know, man character washing feet and creating like a future symbol for how we're supposed to love and serve each other. When if you think about it, as he's doing this, he's specifically focusing on the prophecy in which he's about to get sold out. So, you know, if we're going to talk about the controversial aspects of, of, the, of that moment, what greater sin is there than to sell out God himself? Because like we're making the case like well, everyone there believed in Jesus, believed that Jesus was the son of God. One of them wanted to kill him. So it's like, I mean, how more opposite could that be amidst all of that? Yeah. So, but, and, so he, and beautifully, Jesus is then also washing Judas's feet. So he's making this prophecy about who is going to sell him out and be betrayed. And yet he is still serving him and still washing his feet. And then, go, and then he goes into the communion invitation, and Judas is all still a part of this. So it's like, I mean, that's the thing that kind of throws a counterbalance on holding the side of like, well, we're just assuming that all the disciples like understood what was going on. They believed he was the son of God. It was an appropriate invitation and in how they experienced it. And yet the greatest enemy of God was in the room at that time. So it, that has to, like, it causes me to question then, is it limited, you know, to only looking at it or assuming that the disciples are in this frame of mind when we know specifically one of them was basically like the most, the biggest traitor to God in history. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not sure that that would, Zach's they, not sure. I'm not Zach's sure that there, sure. Scott's that, not sure. That, that, that therefore <laughs> means never communion sure. is open to unbelievers. I, I just don't know that yeah. it stretches well, I, that yeah. far. I think it's saying it, it's, an, it's an invitation for those to enter into fellowship with Jesus. It's not to say it's for unbelievers, but rather we would say like the way it's been held, you know, in the evangelical tradition is that, you know, you would be damned if you were to take it and not be a believer. It's like it's the exclusivity thing that is presented in there. And we think that would be that's where we would just think it's. And there's unintended consequences. Like I, I remember multiple times when I was a kid, like it was definitely like if you don't believe, you know, don't worry about it. Don't come. It, um, it, it was done better than that. It was smoother than that. But uh, in my church context, I remember just pouring over my brain, just racking my brain like, oh, God, I know I got some sin in there I can't think of and I can't go to the table unless I bring it up and confess it. And uh, just almost torturing myself. So, (laughs) and that wasn't the intention, even in in our church community at the time. That they wouldn't have wanted me to be doing that, and that was a misunderstanding on my part. So, but it was unintended consequences. But it was a good Brian Regan. That was kind of Brian Regan. That was. was. Gotta look. Where where does it say? I got some sin in there. I just can't. (laughs) Where's just from my view? Where's the instruction? The the instruction is for for believers. So to. And, and there's a warning to to take it in an unworthy manner. That's where I, I'd put. I'd and put, you'd put that as Christian versus like believer versus non-believer. No, well, no, no. We've already talked about that. That believers can take it in an unworthy manner. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And if you don't believe, I I would put that in the category of unworthy manner of an unworthy manner because it's it's like almost kind of taking taking the Lord's name in vain. There's you're doing something without recognizing the power behind it. Yeah. I could really use a drink. I pressed that randomly. <laughs> Actually, my beer is empty. I'm, I'll go get a more beer for you guys. So anyway, that's that's where I, I need sure. and I, need, I need to do more research more research into it. Um, look at that. Look at it from that angle. Uh, but yeah, yeah, okay. But it's safe it's to great. say at your church, you're going to have people that 
grew up in the sprinkling. They totally. grew up in the dunking. They, there's right. like all kinds of um, that's welcome. Right. Um, right. And you invite the conversation and the questions. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing. It's like I wouldn't, and then there, there wouldn't be this follow-up conversation to be like, well, I'm just not sure if this is the right place for you. You know, because, I mean, for sure, like there would... In many cases, like you would arrive at that kind of situation with like an elder or pastor, if you were very much like, yeah, I'm just, this is really kind of where I'm at with it. You know, then it's like, well, yeah, if I was a congregant, I'm like, hey guys, I, I text something. Hey, I really don't think you should allow unbelievers to take uh, communion. Well, right. Then what's the response? Right. Well, I'd say it's like, great, let's, let's have that conversation. Okay. You know, and it, yeah, to be a and dialogue. we just did. Yeah. And, I, and then I lost. <laughs> and then wait what do you, what do you do mean you go? lost well i lost too because I, I didn't convince you right i mean it's well, well no but yeah. but you're the leadership and yeah. i'm a con- i'm a i'm a per- parishioner sure um i and i and i just really don't think we should i i don't think we should allow uh non non-christians to take communion sure i mean i i would probably say like yeah we're pretty convinced otherwise but i mean it's like it's not you know it's kind of do with that with what you will. I mean, you'll, you'll continue to be challenged, you know, like as you kind of sit and process through that, but that's an invitation to and like if it's really a deal consider. Breaker. Yeah. Like there's no deal breaker in there. Right. It's and not going to, it is for you. Maybe it is a deal breaker. Right. So that's that'd, okay. That'd be the difference. If it was for you, if it was like, if it, yeah, if, if, if you feel like you can't be here, then like, Hey, I mean, yeah, I'll respect that decision. But on our end, it's like, yeah. And that's, you this know, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, and this is something, get rare. Out. Yeah. there's the door, <laughs> but this is something rare that Keep going. hardly ever happens. Um, where? What do you mean? <laughs> Anywhere. I'm sorry. What? You show up to you show up to my church. What's rare that people that that people go get kicked out over doctrinal issues? <laughs> that what people are, are that's more that's common. <laughs> that people are known that they're not believers and they're going and taking communion. Right. Like nobody. Well, whatever. The, uh, nobody is, knows unless you're in community with this, them, and then it creates a conversation. It's like, hey, I saw you taking communion. Like, I I know. You, as far as I know, you hadn't accepted Christ yet. I mean, tell me about it. Like, what's the like drive to go and do communion? Oh, yeah, and then you yeah. get in a conversation. Yeah, that's a separate. Just, yeah, that's a separate aspect to to this conversation. Yeah, but yeah, that's something that you can you can talk to them about. But I don't think it's something that you affirm them in. Yeah, keep going, keep keep taking communion. If you don't believe. <laughs> It's, it's, I don't you know, think anybody's going to come to that conclusion. But it's though. the same side. It's that's never going to happen. Of, of that's that, not that. going to happen. What's not going to happen? Where someone has told someone, yeah, yeah, keep, keep, you know, in some casual, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if you're allowed, <laughs> if you're allowing people to take communion every Sunday who are not believers, what? That's you're just saying it overtly at this point. But yeah, but if you keep allowing it, yeah. But I'm what I'm really getting at is here we are talking. Once again, about something that's never going to happen. I I don't know that that's the case. Can you name any time? Where well, I think it's, I think what's happening in churches that say it, everyone, if you know, even if you're not a believer, can take communion. That's going to happen. I, I would think. Right, but, uh, but, but, but don't affirm but them. The presentation of that comment isn't how we would say it. You know, it wouldn't be like a whatever. Like, oh, if yeah, if you're non-believer, it's right. cool. Like, oh, it's cool. You know, it's it's actually like you know, if if it feels like you want to start this journey with Jesus. You know, it's like communion is a great place to start, you know, because it's kind of like you're participating in something, you know, sacramental, you know, that has symbolism and representation. But part of that is saying like, you know, it's like, yeah, if you are compelled by this, 
and you are drawn to this, you know, then it's an invitation towards it. But realize what you're being invited into. It's like, you know, it's, you know, right. that's I mean, that's what we're saying. So, so as a kid, as a Catholic, when I did first communion, I had no idea. I had no idea what the heck was going on. I just knew that I was sweating bullets going up, you know, uh, am I going to stick out my tongue? And am I going to put my, fold my hands and ask like a lizard, you know, <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to say? But again? you were probably already again? baptized into the Catholic church. So they, they're what, like, you're I, good. I, I don't Come know. On. I don't know. But the whole point that Annie's pointing out and you're pointing out, Scott, is that you accepted Christ or you, or you're like walking down the street. I had no idea what journey I had even gone through. I was, Nine, ten years old, or whatever it was. Please reframe it to Christ accepted them. <laughs> <laughs> we love Mary, uh, and I just what? don't. Re- I just don't know. So I would say that I was taking, I was taking communion, and it was like whatever. Just in an unworthy Catholics, manner, yes. In what? In an unworthy manner, yes. Right, because I had no idea but why I was doing yeah, it. Yeah, you're a child. Nobody told me why I was doing yeah. it, what it was you, for. I hadn't been taught about Christ. All intents this. and purposes, you get a pass. You, uh, all right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's pour some child. beer and move oh, on. Oh, because I'm a child? Is that because I'm I'm just don't have the knowledge? Sure. Right now, now you're I'm a child, a, Jeff. Yeah, children are different than what adults. If yes. But what pretty, if I, didn't Jesus say that have the faith? <laughs> well, have a faith like a child? And well, he those. didn't. <laughs> but he didn't have the faith. <laughs> so yeah. With, Oh, I like this. There was the kind of a juxtaposition right there with a know, child, and you're like, well, so you're a child, and so having like, having that, not having, faith of a child, having not not having faith like a child, or and you're like, well, you're just a child, having the non-faith of a child, because that's what you were doing. Uh, I confuse. <laughs> hey, Scott, I got this uh, dirty hippie imperial red ale. Is that too malty for you? Or otherwise, you got what you brought there. Uh, I have a, I'll have a little dirty bit. hippies are definitely yeah, like way malt. too malty. That's good. That's good. That's <laughs> Nothing good. like a, a dirty malty hippie. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I derailed the conversation. No, it was a good Continue. conversation. It yeah, just, but whatever. Right. Moving on. <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> Man, we've totally lost direction here. I'm well, sorry, we lost what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> our direction, our path. I I think the, I fell away from Christ in the I middle of the conversation. The, the old man, the oldest man in the room <laughs> said, "We've totally lost direction here." That's what <laughs> Scott heard. <laughs> I think they make uh, some pills for that. <laughs> and I understand that Science Mike, uh, his story is that he went to the Rob Bell thing, and uh, he he was. He had heresy. Turned, yeah, he turned away. <laughs> was that on your wrong? The, was that on the board? <laughs> no, I was gonna say that, you got to put that on the board. <laughs> uh, Maybe I'll 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 snag what you. But just he said. Had, he had he had oh. at that point rejected God, turned away, mm-hmm. um, and he had just gone to Rob Bell's thing as like a IT advisor or something, and Rob Bell invited everyone that was there to come up and take communion. So I understand that. So I right. there's something there potentially. I just I'm looking at I'm just thinking of the text and like you got I'm questions not sure yeah right all right I'll text them later all yeah. right I'm gonna hit another bu- yeah. button I don't know what it I'll says s- I'll send you links Mine's to hours of dialogue <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky <laughs> mine's not detachable <laughs> there's so that. many out In of context, context I was saying that <laughs> <laughs> okay so we solved communion yeah um, yeah and uh, so what. Let's move on from Vox. There's, yeah. There's like, I love what you guys are doing. You're one of the churches that uh, Lisa and I, we, we, we like bringing our kids to other churches and just exploring kind of what, how other people do things and have our kids see new things. 
because we've been going to the same church forever and church we still love. Don't worry about that. You know, the uh, pastor's kind of. You guys are fine, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like we're not we're not that all unfamiliar either, right. right? I mean, it's like you go in and you're like, oh wait, how is this different? You're gonna recognize yeah. certain things, right? But it's like it's it, that's an interesting thing though. Is there's there's nuance to so many so much of this stuff where we've I felt like we've just focused on the gaps, like where where were there really big gaps in a lot of like our own experiences, yeah, and then really working those out and, fr- and trying to find resolve in those tensions of like the whole dialogue aspect. I'm like, I feel like I can't ask the pastor a question without feeling like I'm going to get judged or coerced into like just trying to think like he thinks, you know, like, like realistically yeah. in my own intelligence, I might think that the scripture says something differently and it could end up being disrespected and even told that I might, this might not be the best place for me because I just disagree on the way the text reads. Like, it's like, but right. I'm finding community with people here and I'm actually like a believer. Like that just wouldn't make sense to me. You know, it's yeah. like, how, how does that a thing? But it's, I mean, you'd be amazed at how many folks arrived at Vox and there are all these fallouts from those situations. Right. You yeah. know, they've either been cast out or a certain conversation had, or they felt like they couldn't come to that church anymore. They lost friends who thought all these different things about them because they were just, they actually were using their brain. Right. Go figure. And by the way, whoever's on the other end of those scenarios Almost, I can almost guarantee without knowing who they are, they mean well and they think they're loving the people right. as best as possible. So, right. meaning well or thinking you're doing it right, you you almost always have to be second guessing or questioning. Like, how are we doing this? Right. Is this still the way we should be approaching it? Right, like a I mean, constant dialogue. Yeah, with that. in our modern day, certainty has become so much more of an idol than you know than anything else. I mean, it's like if it's as long as you're sure and certain, well, then everything else lines up. But it's like that's that's where you immediately run into a problem because you you'll come in upon conflicting texts all the time and it's like well I was certain this is what it said it's like ah but this one kind of takes it in a different direction it's not necessarily contradicting it or even conflicting but, view of a text right. and hearing especially with the growth of podcasting and new sources of information right you you're exposed to so much more information than you used to be so it's it's harder and harder to just keep yourself safe where. I wanted to be growing up or where I thought I was growing up. And then right. you, you get, you know, well, you seem to be to in work. a, we're in a sweet spot right now of this open dialogue, flexibility, right. And finding conversations about Christ and life are there. Whereas mm-hmm. there's some that are like, what is going on? This right. is like world war three sure. Sure. against Christianity. Right. That it, it's, I mean, having not been a you know having not been a believer my entire life and really grown up in the church at all, um, only in my younger years, but at a Catholic church, and I'm I'm just looking at it as like seems to be an open an open ended discussion hmm. consistently with well I was going to point at Scott but he he's you he, lose yeah he's he's the gate he's the gatekeeper Mine's not detachable he's the gatekeeper and zach has this open openness and everybody that we a lot of people that Generally. we have conversations with they're open about well it's open it's open I'm for invi- interpretation I'm inviting them on. Right. right it's open for interpretation right so real it seems to be a, a little Right. Scary for some people who. Sure. I would. I mean, like for me, like I don't. Yeah, I, I, I'd be more careful to say something like, oh, it's just open for for interpretation versus saying like there's actually a lot of good scholarship on all sides. I mean, it's kind of and it's worth sitting in and listening to what, you know, some of the most accurate and best research is on on all those different things. And so it's just to say that 
because it's you know i think that there is bad interpretation there's definitely ways of approaching the text and coming up with a bad interpretation but i think there's also really good interpretation that actually causes you to pause because two very good interpretations will come in conflict with each other and you really have to kind of work that stuff out okay i was gonna say that you know what i don't think this happened in history but then Then say it that we didn't have the internet and so you've got 10 million people that get to be a part of the conversation and they were never a part of the conversation. And so maybe all of these open, open for interpretation was never there because there was only three people a part of the discussion in your community right. within 100 miles. Nah, right. I don't know about that. Scott, sh- shut up, Scott. I'll, I'll try another one. <laughs> shut up, Scott. Nailed it. Right. Have you heard well, of in small, the, uh, but in, you know, pre-1950, like even in America, you know, a lot of times the way it worked out was if it was a small community, they would try to find the smartest person in the community to help them learn the Bible. Right, right. You know, so it was very reliant on someone who could actually one person. one person who could really read the text well and try to come up with, you know, if this is who Jesus is, then here's how the text is informed and try to bring it to people who didn't have the ability to And our model of church like is basically that. It's right. just yeah. a variant of that, which, you know, isn't wrong per se. Um right. And I wanted it's to just say, our history at this point. It's amazing how churches can basically be doing the same thing. The, the formulas are very similar in, let's just say, evangelical-ish circles. But the feeling or the, the way it feels authentic or not, or if it feels forced or not, it varies wildly. We've done a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, like I said, we're visiting other churches. And it's just it's just fascinating to me how different it is. And you can see, like... I don't know. It's just amazing to me how we're basically all doing the same thing with very different results. Right. Yeah. I actually had a thought too that I I want Andy and uh, you guys too. Jeff, Jeff's on the board of our church. Scott still can't believe it. I can't, I can't answer. My wife's also on the board. I'm not in leadership. (laughs) Um, But I actually was just thinking like, you know, what, what ways can we do things a little bit differently or mix it up? I listen to a lot of podcasts and some of these live podcasts, you'll have two or three super smart people talking about a certain thing. They don't all agree. They just have a kind of a dialogue for a while. And then there's like an open Q&A with the audience. And I'm like, why Why can't we bring that into the church? You know, not all the time, but that seems like there would be something there that's different. People are involved, like directly involved. It almost goes beyond the texting that, mm-hmm. that you guys do. Right. Um I don't know if you guys think about that, but that was my recent thought. And Lisa's like, my wife said, uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I kind of like it. Like, An open well, discussion within the service. Yeah, you have a couple people up there. It's um, almost like a live podcast where... No, I thought about you, it. They know... Oh, you, okay. No, I... It was your idea? Is that no, what you're no, saying? No, no. We, <laughs> should do you, a, we should do a Brothers, Bibles, and Beer <laughs> for one year's service. We should, we should do a, That'll be safe. BBB I invented the internet for one of your yeah. services. Well, I can. There you go. The two comments that come to mind: one, if your church isn't stable, and this can go either direction for better or for worse. If a church is stable on its like direction, its orientation and guidance and vision for where it's going, they're going to be open minded to that kind of thing because then they're going to hold out like, well, if then there's this conflicting view, here's how this vision is going to set precedence right. over that view. Right? Either like they would say, you know, the church, our church, generally disagrees with that. You know, or, you know, it, even with holding these ideas in view, here's where you want to end up, mm-hmm. you know, even from those views or here's how you hold those ideas kind of intention alongside whatever. Um, for a church that doesn't feel 
good about what their direction is right. and guidance, they're going to feel that's just going to like throw, it's like throwing dynamite into the room. Right. right. I mean, it's just, you can't, and it's not safe. It, yeah. And it might not be, yeah, it might not be safe because you got, if depending on if, if people are deconstructing, but without reconstruction or any reorientation towards anything, it's just like, well, we're just encouraging just more deconstruction and just, and where does it end up? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, you have to, I think if, if your church feels that you've got, you know, you've got a, a stability on, okay, yeah, let's bring in, yeah, we'd be fine putting up Rob Bell, Greg Boyd, and Tim Mackey, and Science Mike up on a stage, and yeah, let's just talk about, you know, these four, you know, doctrines, and just kind of see what everyone has to say. We gotta raise a shitload of money to get them here. <laughs> Come on, Jeff, get on it. Well, I thought about the, just ask, asking a question when a the pastor is speaking, and just to be like, um, and throwing out a question, and it's been... A, a sermon or, a, you know, a message has been prefaced with, you know, it's supposed to be an open conversation. And I'm like, I know it's not been ever said again or all that much, but there's probably been nine or ten times in the middle of service where I just wanted to blurt, you know, raise my hand and, and blurt out a question. And But then in my mind, I walked all the way down the path and I thought, okay, service is going to go a little longer. I don't want to throw the pastor off. People are going to think this is odd. Maybe there's first-time people here. I'm hungry. My kids are hungry. My that wife's mad at that me. That did not cross Here's the mind. open communion table. Have but some wafers. I could, I could walk down the street and ask the pastor after church anyways. But it gets to the one leader, and it's like, it, and I, I think there's a comfort within our church where we could ask, and it would be, well taken, and then there would be uh, a response. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, just going to depend. Like I said, it, it? It, it depends on like, well, okay. Because Todd's you, not afraid to said, say, I don't know, or, you know, well, that's too big for now. This doesn't pertain to what I said here. He's a certain, depending on the person, they're going to be good at like, Maybe maybe they can't handle it. If it's above their pay grade, they say so. Like okay, anybody out well, anybody out there? If you're if you feel like your pastor could take the question in the middle of service, you could interrupt. You know, send us a message. If you're at a church under thirty people, it's probably very likely under fifty, even under a hundred, and, and depending on the room itself, fifteen hundred, right? Fifteen hundred. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, obviously it's, it gets yeah. tricky. I mean, we're we're two hundred, and even but our room is is just feels larger because it's a theater so but it like i said it comes down to the precedence and especially if you're going to get on stage though and say hey this is an open conversation then you better have places where that conversation could take place because if it's not on a sunday morning where in in the room right. people feel like they yeah. could ask that then you have to ask then where is the open conversation because we know this isn't because you're on a stage telling us stuff right yeah that's not an open conversation that's a presentation yeah, yeah. right so it's like you can't if you're going to say that then even infrastructurally figure something out like is it you texting your questions and we answer them or on wednesday night it's an open discussion group we do back at the church and the you know the the teaching pastor is there and it's right. actually just an open dialogue about that sermon you know you have to like that's where you have to put these practical things in places if you're going to throw put your money where those your mouth big is. hyperbolic ideas out there, mm-hmm. right? And that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like those are the nuances and the tensions I've always had. Is you know, pastors have figured out these neat ways of saying things that kind of say, "Well, I'm not going to be an authoritarian, so I'm going to use a phrase like, well, you know, this is an open dialogue and an open conversation.' Right? Great. When can we have that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh, no, you like, guys do that at home. No, but Go you ahead. know, like in your small group or like, you know, just amongst you guys, you can yeah. have this. Like, no, but I want to ask you all the questions because you're the one teaching it. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I'm right there. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just gotta, I have a question. Yeah, oh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ask your wife. Have a discussion with your wife at home. Zach, continue. Engage in small group. You know, open conversation when you're somewhere else, away from the leader. Ask our theologian <laughs> Scott, our resident theologian Scott, a question. Scott, I'm. Uh, what? Okay, forget it. It's open discussion, <laughs> but you gotta e- you gotta email me. Shut up, Scott. <laughs> there it is. So you okay, found, I found it. Can I go it. back to your question though? Yeah. Like, okay, because so if you're a church and you're you want to go somewhere different, this is this is hard because it's you you almost have to have built into your culture the flexibility itself, the creativity itself. Like you, a you kind of have to not be in a hurry. You have to not have everything planned in advance. You know, like you almost have to limit yourself a little you have to say no we're not going to plan anything past three months you know because we want to be more flexible when things come up we want to be able to respond to what's happening in our culture in our community like Mm -hmm. if you've got a teaching series mapped out for the next nine months but then like you have a shooting in your neighborhood like on a sunday you're gonna have this conflict about like ah but we're we're right here in this teaching series but i mean come on you can't shift it back during announcements you can can say thoughts and prayers Right. I made a Thoughts commitment. I made a commitment to get through Genesis by you know, <laughs> by July. Can't right. So it yeah. That's like it's. I think that's more the question to ask. If it feels like if you're a church leader and it feels like you can't, if you showed up to Sunday and you decided to change everything, and your community completely fell on its face, that should be a warning sign. You know, it should kind of realize okay, maybe we're holding this too tight. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, we, how do Maybe we do a little out of touch? Yeah. How do we, how do we loosen this up and find a little bit more room for them? Like, so or even on a, di- like a Sunday mm-hmm. where you're like, you're, you purposely, you're, the sermon time is allotted 40 minutes, let's say. And you purposely, your sermon is 20 minutes mm-hmm. and you plan for 20 minutes of questions. Right. Just doing stuff like that. Sure. You could right. yeah, facilitate the. Right. And the challenge, though, is like what, what some church leaders will say, though, is like, ah, oh, yeah, but, you know, this group of people over here, is going to like that? You know, they'll be like really responsive to like Get a, certain, out. Yeah, a, certain, yeah, a certain group that's going to be like, what's that about? Like, what, why did we cut the teaching? You know, like so it's there's all those sensitivities. A lot of the leaders are always trying to you know sift and sort and figure out what the right thing to right. do is. But it's like if it's if it feels like you don't have that kind of flexibility, you, you have to start asking some pretty big questions and go to your elders and go to your community and like really kind of take it seriously and just be like, what are we, what is the most important thing here? Right. And, and really ask that question. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm thinking about, and then after this, let's, let's, uh, I got to stop and save cause the computer is doing things that are like, uh, I think we're okay, but I just want to make sure it's saved, and then we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna restart it. Oh yeah, because I'm I, I'm gonna I gotta fly out after this. I mean, never gonna get me again. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just thinking of I'm I'm thinking of like Sam like podcast with Sam Harris, and he'll do like a roundtable with like people that he's diametrically opposed to on a lot of different things, like Jordan Peterson or other people, where there's thousands of people that come to watch them. They have a kind of roundtable discussion, and then they open it up for questions, and people line up. There, there's a, I mean, it's like mega church setting basically. People line up, and they're very good at being around. That's good. We encourage noises. What are you opening there? This can of beer. BFF. BFF. The Best cult. friend. Broad I'll stop there. <laughs> I, I think it's a collaboration with uh, Stone and Pizza Port. Oh, nice. 
So it's a pale ale. Well, yeah, it's delicious. And like you're saying, Zach, that's, they could have just called it Pizza Stone. <laughs> Seems they, obvious. They could have. That might be a copyright. <laughs> hey, copyright. So I, I went to talking to my microphone. I spoke to the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I went to left. You're in the sweet spot right now. <laughs> hey, so Thanks, start thinking, you, Andy. Sorry, Scott. Andy, Scott off. Scott's going to talk. Start thinking of your five-word beer review for that. You get okay. five words. All right. Like you're saying uh, that, yeah, they do that a lot of a lot of the talks they have at co- you know, colleges and other venues. They'll they'll have a couple of speakers or one speaker, and then they'll have people line up um, to ask. Yeah, you get you get one question. Sometimes they allow two or three, but sometimes yeah. they make a statement and then they kind of get laughed off. Like, yeah. well, it's more of a statement. I'll just say this, or yeah, or like, be like, that's what? A, "Well, that's what I do." Yeah. The, well, <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> a lot of people do that. But I make a statement, and then ask a question. Yeah. Or two or three. I don't know. I think there's something to it. I I just like the idea of being able to have these conversations. So many people involved with church. You bring up like, what if we could do things like this? Like, what? What do you mean? We're, but it's fine. We've been doing this. This is how we do church, and they don't allow those any. Well, type you of see, questions. your church is let's call it relatively successful, and it's grow. So, in the sense, like it's growing, and you're you're doing good in the community. Why, why right. change it? Why? You yeah. know, maybe there's maybe there's not a reason to change it, but it it is something to consider. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that the idea is you should all churches should change. I mean, there's right. Church is doing good things. Should continue doing good yeah. things. You know, I think it's anybody that has a model that's supposed to blanket every church. It's a kind of a mistake, right? Though, yeah, the problem is, is that I think if if you if you go to a church, you know, if you're from California, and then let's say you visit a church in in Minnesota, and the church format is designed exactly like something that happened where you come from, and that kind of homogeneity is just there, either the, then we can kind of start to say, okay, we might have a problem here. Because it's just, you know, churches in a lot of ways should reflect what the community actually looks like and kind of feels like. And if it just feels like exactly something you came from in a completely different state, a different community, then to me, I'm going to I'm going to call foul somewhere. You know, I'm going to call like that. Maybe the maybe the intention here is kind of it's, look, it's looking for something different open you know? to that possibility. Right. It right. could be it could be OK. Yeah, it could be fine. Maybe, yeah. So. With that, I'm going to press pause and save and back up, and then we'll come back with Andy. And actually, everybody has a five-word beer review, right, Jeff? I do. Okay. But Andy and Jeff and Scott mm-hmm. and Zach, what do you, you Andy's drinking BFF, five words or less. Hmm. Balanced. Stone fruit. Those three words. Well... Is stone fruit one word? Okay, I think is, it's it's one word. Hyphenate, is it a hyphenated? He's up to four. He said, well, <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Start over. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. This is just supposed to be ridiculous. Balanced. Tropical. Yeah. Those are my three. All right. Hmm. Are you doing the same, Jeff? Yes. Okay, mm. go. Why are you looking at me? Don't look at me. Tart. Don't, don't look at me and say tart. Bitter. Don't look. Okay, I'll take, that's probably true. Dirty diaper smell. Uh, sometimes, sometimes that's true. Yeah, I was gonna add spaghetti because when I first smelled it, I thought it smelled like spaghetti. Really? Yeah. Maybe that was. Uh, there's, a, there's a little like kind something of something going on there. Yeah, there's yeah. something funky, right? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I just didn't want to be a dick, but okay. It's not. Uh, <laughs> I kept going. What is that? Yeah, these yeah. aren't sponsors, so that's yeah, true. It's been a while. Yeah, there's. It's been like four years. I think that's a dirty diaper. 
<laughs> and it's only you're only about four years away yourself, right? Am I right, guys? Old joke. <laughs> Scott, are you prepared? Uh, I I can be. So I'm drinking the hop freshness of uh, the hop freshener series by Dank and Sticky. The hop the hop concept. Um, the hop concept is the brewery. I oh. love when Scott's just confused by reading stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, question I didn't, mark. I didn't know if Dank and Sticky was the brewery. Um, <laughs> That's a great brewery name. Yeah. That's all yeah. I need to get on that. It will be now. Well, yeah. anyway, whatever. And it's only green and white. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's green and white and kind of looks like a Heineken bottle. Uh, yeah, with the hop leaf. Um, man, I just I want to do a narrative. That's that was nine. That was words. nine words. Good grief. Okay, next. <laughs> it, 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 could, it could be dankier and stickier. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you like where it's going? You just want more? Yeah, I want, want more. It's got to be, it's got to separate itself from other beers that are maybe a little dankier. I will say I did open up, this is not now, this was in the past, but uh, New Belgium has uh, a hemp beer. I'm blanking. Yeah. Hemperer. I think it's called the Hemperer. And when I opened it, it sounds like hamper. Yeah. More also, once you the more drinks you have, there's is hamper. Hem, Hemptations. Hem. Ooh. I'm gonna bleep that out. And so said, nobody. Yeah, knows baby. Yeah. All right. But I did pour it, and Lisa walked by and she for a second. It's so like, you like, smoking weed again? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Kinda. She looked at me like, and I'm like, no. Just it's the beer. Smell it. You better share some. Hey, Zach, Scott, I value Andy's time. You're right. <laughs> he's, right. A, he's enjoying this. Yeah, but he's, yes. he's limited But now. then we can enjoy him. Current Go, River Zach. Brewing Company, oh. Dirty Hippie and Imperial Red Ale. Uh, big, robust, malty hop monster. Wow, they just kind of... Parenthetical. Was, hot, was hot monster in the same word or monster is was, separate? Did word? I go over? No, you yeah. Didn't. No, but I just uh, want to know if you separated those two words or not. If it it's just a, monster, that's awesome. It's a monster. Okay. It's a big beer. This thing is like nine percent. Man. Oh, it's, that is a monster. It's great. Mm. I like red ales now, but as long as they have a lot of stuff to them, uh, <laughs> like a lot of hops. Move away. I, I, run say, I run from those reds. Yeah. I, don't I was gonna I say like Triceratops, but then you said it's a red, so I'm freaking about. Okay, yeah, but. BJ's has already used that. Hops Andy, what's going on? Hey. Andy, how do you say your last name? We've <laughs> <laughs> come full circle. Is it Laura? <laughs> is it Laura? Right? Are you related to like, the Lara bars? Instead of an A, it's like an yeah. O or AU, right? Okay. We'll edit this Definitely out. just an yeah, A. Yeah, who's that NBC anchor that got... Uh, okay. Know? Mine's not detachable. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. We heard it. Is it like Matt Lauer? Are you related to him? Matt Laura? <laughs> All right, Mike Lowry from Bad Boys. <laughs> yeah. <actually>. Lowry, Mike <laughs> Lowry. <laughs> I'm glad that we're all old enough to appreciate that. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's yeah. Martin Lawrence. <sighs> all right, that was good. Andy, Lara. Uh, so now we talked a lot about Vox. We talked about communion for a long time. It was still good, <laughs> Scott. I'll be looking forward to your report. On one of the next episodes on communion, I'll probably forget. But anyways, uh, what are you doing now? Um, so I'm still that I'm full time on at Vox Community on that staff, um, and then I, I I keep a little bit of room, um, it's kind of for actually just freelance creative direction. 
specifically though, podcasting has kind of been the area of most interest. So, um, you know, prior to actually starting the podcast two years ago with Mike, the, the whole podcasting idea was just super fascinating to me. It was like one of those things in the media space I hadn't really explored. So I'm a musician, so I've been doing, um, audio engineering and that kind of thing for a long time, but podcasting just became that much more interesting. And especially kind of in the church space and realizing how many great conversations are going on out there. Um, I'm like feeling this pacing of like my voice is going way too fast. So I have to like breathe. It's going to be up to you. So I'm with we, you. We have time, but no, I'm with no, it's you. fine. Um, so, so yeah. So it, one of the things I'm like really excited to to kind of do as an offer to friends who are you know starting an organization or whatever is be able to say like, well, yeah, I can help you completely launch a podcast. And it's more than just yeah, we'll come over and we'll just record you talking about whatever. It's it's really sitting down and saying like, well, here's really what this can do for you. I mean, the church itself is a bit of a case study of looking at how a podcast can actually develop a physical community. So when you start talking about that idea, even for a small business, there's really a lot to offer there. I mean, if um, like one example is I've, I've kind of used is like if I'm a, you know, if I'm a dad and I walk into a sporting goods store to buy like a bat for my, you know, my young kid who's you know starting to play baseball. Right. So I'm going to get him an aluminum Easton bat. Right. So, in the branding space, you know, anything you touch, you're trying to brand and tell a story. You're trying to like create something visual that's going to connect the buyer to buy your product, whatever that is, right? Uh, most of the time, it's, it's designed to just be visually exciting and in some kind of way it's going to somehow connect. But it's like if you knew the story of the guy who owned Easton and like his passion for kids and like all that kind of stuff, wouldn't you be more excited to actually support that company instead of just relying on it looks good or the product's made well or whatever it is? If you actually know so much more about the heart behind like what a business is, might, is maybe trying to do, even if they make a bad product, you might still support it because you believe in the greater narrative of what that company is trying to do. Podcasting to me actually offers that opportunity. So whereas like video costs a lot more money than podcasting does. So it's a lot harder to imagine like let's do a bunch of video series and all that kind of stuff. Thing is, psychologically speaking, if you put on a video in your car and like try to enjoy the content from a video while driving, right? your mind already knows that there's something to look at. So you're already kind of feeling the pressure of like, oh, I should look at what it is because maybe there's something I'm missing, you know, that's more than the audio. So there's already this tension. And even if I'm at home doing something, I can't be mowing the lawn and, you know, looking at a video Mm -hmm. or doing that. I feel the need to have to stop. I have to watch it. So now I'm cutting out all this time in my day. See, audio on its own is still that one thing that you can do while you can still do everything else. So it's just that that's why it's like still this secret medium that works really, really well if you want to develop culture and develop DNA and meaning behind whatever that thing you have is. Totally. So that's kind of that's something I'm really excited about. That's how radio. I mean, that was the major medium for a while because once you put it in cars um, and before TV, people gathered around the radio at home. Yeah. They long before they they had the TV to, to hear stories and. And, uh, right. Like old school the, yeah. radio was fictional. I mean, there's all these other aspects and uh, Gimlet Media is doing a great job of exploring like, OK, so we're in the podcast business, but let's not just think podcasting only has to look like this. They've actually ventured back to what has radio always done for us. And now they've like kind of transported a lot of that stuff into new podcasting. So they're doing fictional podcasts. They're doing all these really interesting kind of versions like within that one network and one production company. So um, it's it's a really exciting space and it's only been, you know, it's been around for 15 years, seven, you know, well, 16 I, years. It's like, like the, one of the it, oldest like audio yeah. mediums, like in the, in where, the digital like space. Netflix, Netflix might have rights to certain, um, uh, 
shows and Amazon Prime might have rights to certain shows. It's, but it's that concept where you can you can watch a show when you want to. Right. Right. Podcasts are you can you can listen when you want to. But the beauty of podcasts are there aren't many podcasts that are limited to one platform. Like you have to be on Amazon to listen to a podcast. Right. We have to be right. on Netflix to listen to podcasts. You could just you can get it from you can get almost any podcast from a just a general podcast catcher. Right. And and the, very few of them are are paid. Like but good you, grief, yeah. Podbean! Up, update your search engine, whatever the hell. <laughs> if you don't type in "bros Bibles in beer" with the whatever that symbol is called, ampersand. It doesn't. Is it stand or sand? We'll go with ampersand. Ampersand. It's open. It's, it's, it's open. Free. It's an open it's discussion. Open. <laughs> it's open discussion. Texture. It's probably not. It's good scholarship on both sides. <laughs> Mine's not detachable. Thanks, Chef. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's um, it, it, to be able to talk about it from that angle for people who have a new idea, whether it's like a, a new nonprofit they're starting, or a new business, or a new ministry, or you know, a small church. I mean, that's kind of the neat thing about you know going back to the church is, you know, Mike and I were able to have these incredible discussions. I mean, hours and hours of content around different doctrines, theology, and approaches to how a church actually functions before we even open the doors. So when people actually showed up. There was already this understanding of why this place exists versus like usually when you show up to a church for the first time, you're like, OK, what do I have to do here to figure out what's going on? Right. right. So it's that's kind of I mean, I've, I've talked on other shows how it's like if I was ever going to open a retail storefront, like doing, you know, a beer, like a bar or coffee or whatever, I'd probably do a podcast for a year before I even open the doors. You know, to really like get a chance for like future customers to learn. Here's why I want this place to exist. Here's the passion behind this. Here's what I really like want to accomplish with the community and its function and its. My existence. name is Andy Lauer. <laughs> Mike Lauer. <laughs> Andy Lauer. Well, and you know, uh, there's there's there, like I like that concept. There are uh, people who do commercials for let's say coffee, or you heard on the Ro- Joe Rogan podcast, or uh, what's the the three the bad Christian where they're they're talking about the product because they're using it and they're they're ex- yeah they're saying like me undies me undies is the right. best underwear you're ever gonna feel against your skin right they might it's use not other bad. words I, I have uh, a couple right. but other others <laughs> others talk about the coffee that they're they're drinking um, and they're like you like you're listening to it and you're like I've never thought about coffee like that I I kind of want to try that specific brand because. The Folgers is not does right. not elicit that right. type of. But it was place in yeah. time. It was like you were in a moment where you could hear like you could hear more about something you just didn't know something yeah. about. Like because the way we experience information otherwise is either it's selective. We go looking for it on the Internet or it's uh, kind of passive attraction. It comes in front of you via an ad like browsing on the Internet or it's a billboard or it's a commercial on TV. The problem with that is that often it's kind of it's all designed to present itself in that, you know, slight window of information. The beauty of podcasting in most cases is it's it's kind of medium to long form a lot of times. But even if you were going to just do coffee, even if you talked about it for 10 minutes, you're getting more than a Folgers commercial. You're getting more than a billboard that is mixed media to kind of explain like why why it's good and it's important. So it's like mm-hmm. even just this little extra bit of information almost gives you more integrity and a little bit more reason to kind of like enjoy whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. And so when you transport that to just whatever it is that you do, it's it seems like such a huge opportunity. Like most entrepreneurs and salespeople would love to have 30 minutes 
of like you know a potential buyer's attention right so it's like if, if a podcast is a space where you get to do that and the content is exciting enough and compelling enough and interesting enough you're going to be able to actually accomplish your goal yeah. compelling enough did you hear enough. that Andy was actually talking to us I know he's like you guys got to step the game up if it gets there <laughs> if it gets there yeah, and that 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 you better be real. Yeah, that moment's brought to you by North North Dakota Pancakes, where you can get the best pancakes yeah. in North Dakota. Yeah, All right, thank you. Who is God's children? All right, that was just another random one. That was you. Yeah, right. Scott, that was you. So, no, that that that's that's great. But you better be real AF, <laughs> if I dare say, because people will smell that infomercial feel like right. we're doing a Amber commercial and Fitch. For it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But so do you have like a is Andy Lara a brand? Are you marketing yourself as such or are you kind of word of mouth? You're doing this stuff on the side. It's more on the side. It's more word of mouth. Somewhere? I mean, I have a website, andylikeswords.com. Um that's just kind of the center point. So if anyone asks. That's fantastic. Um Andy likes words. <laughs> Playing off the the Lara bars, you, if you're going to open a coffee shop slash beer house you call they it they kind of works you yeah. call it laura bar there might be there might be a copyright issue a trademark yeah, laura issue. bar right but yeah. yeah i can say well there's a space between the words yeah, yeah. <laughs> laura apostrophe bar right. we right. don't have an s at the end right so yeah it's it's word of mouth i mean i kind of have just been you know moving you know helping others you know kind of just figure out what what you can what. mention names oh um free plugs yeah free plugs um, yeah, that's fine. Just go to my website. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to this moment brought you by hey, North Dakota yeah. Pancakes. I know people right. personally <laughs> that Andy was avoiding naming. I tried. I just want you to know I tried. Good. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why I didn't. I just. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I don't have reason it's, for it's either. It's a big tease. I felt I just. I, you know what it was? It's actually. It's probably way more narcissistic. But no, I just want people to go to my website. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But what about your? Yeah, see what is. I'm doing. Yeah. What about your wife? It is. Oh, my wife. Your wife. See now, she's the real entrepreneur. Yeah. Like she she puts me to shame. And I I uh, man, never mind. I was gonna caveat. Caveats. Yeah. So uh, my wife, wife, my my beautiful Mercedes. Um, no, you weren't. No, not the car. Wife. My yeah. actual wife. My car is not a wife. My wife is also not a car. Um, mm. Okay, so we we launched her podcast called the Lucky Few Podcast <laughs> earlier this year. I uh, just wrapped season one um, uh, last week, and uh, that's awesome. So that's a podcast that it's three moms. Um, we all are raising kids with Down syndrome. I'm sorry, we? Um, yes. Andy is identifying as, as a mom right now. Our families. Okay. So that's, I guess that's why that that works. Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I take things Scott, literally sometimes. you can sometimes. take a deep breath. That's fine. No, I get it. Okay. Like the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm producing their podcast. Um, that one's tons of fun. Um, the, my, between my wife and her two friends and, and that conversation, the, the Down syndrome space is really interesting because there's, um, not, um, not a, there's a couple podcasts that are out there, but it's not, they're just not, they're not hitting anything like really kind of really interesting. Um, but these, uh, the collective, what am I trying to say here? The interesting part about this particular show is that the the social marketing reach that it started with was already massive, which is really fun. Like a lot of podcasts I've worked with are just kind of, you know, a few people in a room and it's maybe something small and it just goes. In this case, it's like 
My wife has 22,000 followers on Instagram. Her friend has 115,000 followers. The other one is an author, published, huge blog. So the second it drops, it just hits, you know, already like, you know, 200,000 people. And so it's like a, right. So like a, you know, a mainly because of my dollar. Yeah. Um, she's killing like my account by like 20,000 followers. So I'm just trying to catch up to her. You can, this is where you mentioned her. Yeah. Her, at, no, don't oh, mention yeah. hers. Mention yours. Yeah. Catch up, man. Andy likes words. <laughs> 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 yes. Hooray for Sunny uh, with the number four for four. Um, my daughter, whom we've adopted, who has Down syndrome, um, she crushes it. She's five years old and fantastic. So uh, my wife is doing that podcast. And then um, this year, we also started a conference, um, which is kind of directed, again, towards moms raising kids with Down syndrome. But I'd say moms and families is more appropriate. So the conference itself is really designed for women, but all the other events we do in between are geared more towards the whole family. Now, what makes this slightly different is the majority of conferences out there geared around Down syndrome are more focused on a place to go to get medical information, educational information, government and services information. It's usually hosted in like a ballroom at a hotel and it has that vendory kind of like feel to it. My wife wanted to take more of a kind of social approach, meaning um, the one thing she's learned kind of being on social media and connecting with so many moms is there's this incredible sense of connection from just having regular conversation with other moms going through the same thing. So while we'll spend a ton of time at night, like on Google, looking up all this other information and stuff and all that, usually when a mom gives a recommendation or at least empathizes or connects with another mom to say like, Oh, we'll try this instead. Or like, don't, you know, don't you know stress about doing these kinds of things the most important stuff about life actually kind of act, takes place in those kinds of moments. So we've just seen a lot of value in when moms come into a space together and actually find levity and find alignment and find community, you know, there's something else that can kind of take place in that space. So the conference is really elegant, like lunch is served. There's a cocktail hour. The speakers aren't usually giving medical information, all that stuff. I either said it's, it'd be more inspirational. I mean, for us, like, having experienced probably other Christian conferences, that was kind of the view that we had coming into it. It was like, well, there isn't anything kind of like this in this space. And so um, it sold out. It was in Laguna Beach. It was like 150 people for the first one. We're going to Utah in the fall. Um, nice. So that's called DearMomConference.com. That one's crazy. R. You teach them how to hunt. Oh, man, that'd be fun. Yeah. Dear Mom. We're coming for you, Dear Mom. Yeah. Yeah, can't protect Bambi Bambi forever. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's what she's doing. So I'm just helping, and you're doing it too. You're producing. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I'm helping with all the you know all the kind of the all the the communications. Well, so that one there's not a podcast for that one. Oh, so she does the Lucky Few podcast, and then with this, this is way more like a lot of planning work, coordination, and just creating actual like we're really focused on more of the community development aspect of it. So the Lucky Few gets is a great way to like find topical conversations and discuss those among moms. And that's all great information that goes out into the, you know, everybody. But then Mercedes really wanted to find something that could bring people together. Tangible. Tangible. Yep. That kind of thing. So awesome. Yeah. But we're busy. We're busy. Yeah. Sounds like it. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. A couple quick ones. Okay. Well, never stop making fun of Jeff, Scott. I affirm you. Thank you. Um, all right. So podcasting. Whatever makes you feel better. Podcasting, it can either save the world or ruin the world. Kind of like social media. But or people. 
Yes, or people. <laughs> yes. So podcasting interview, net positive, net negative, and why? Quickly. Um, is podcasting going to save the world, or is it going to contribute to its downfall? So hyperbolic. Let's just go save the world. Okay. You know, that and way. why? It's going to create another, a new form of scribing, you know, and library and archivalness of tracking good information over a period of time that we can go back to. Books are great, but the amount of time it takes to sit down and read a book, store a book, all of that is a bit more of like bulky, you know, and longer process. Yeah. You can listen to podcasts. On t- 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 you can listen to it either 2x, 4x or Andy Speed. And yeah. But then by that time, we'll probably have processors in our brains. So it's like you can just plug it in and just bam, the information right. downloaded. downloaded. You just know World. it. I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Wait, right. sorry. That was a terrible Neo. Mm-hmm. Right. I know, Kung Fu. Oh, I know everything about N.T. Wright. <laughs> oh, if only. Okay. Now, would you, let's say you're in ni- the 1930s, mid-1930s, and podcasts, podcasting is coming out. All of a sudden, there's a you know a particular figure comes on the scene that has access to said medium podcasting. Um, would you still feel the same way? I'm talking about Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Scott loses the argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for the first time ever, I wish I was listening to Scott. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, once I said Hitler, he starts listening. What is that what you meant? Uh, right. Oh, wait. What was the question for Andy? Is there, um, Do you want an answer? What well, no, time? no. It's just. Uh, <laughs> um, wait, you reference Hitler. Now you have a question for Andy. And not the friend. <laughs> is it me living in 1930? Because if that's the case, then I'm probably in the Philippines. Podcasts, so that's going to have a whole other kind of angle. Uh, podcasts are around in the 1930s, and you're. You're opposed with the same. You're you in the 1930s, right? Yeah, and you're doing pod. You're doing you internet Andy and all Lara. that stuff. Yeah, um, but this uh, and then and then it's hit, like yeah. and his famous podcast is it's like lots it, of words that start with Reich <laughs> or end with Reich. End yeah. with Reich. End yeah. with Reich. <laughs> um, if there's totally if there's one person delete, we'll edit that. Yeah, if there's one person that yeah, you should know this, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to say that's from like the Wicked Witch of the West, but I think that's your that's wife, Lisa. Zach. That's ah, Lisa. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Lisa. Ah. <laughs> um, no, but if like if there's one person you're gonna ban from being a podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Uh, in the 1930s, but uh, yeah, but then but well, Hitler would be on the list. <laughs> I mean, well, right, that's what I'm saying. And then, but then it's like, okay, is podcasting gonna save the world, or is it gonna lead to more Hitler youth? I mean, I mean, just because it could if happen. this falls into the wrong hands, yeah, it's like a power. It's like the In ring a world man. where podcasting hold the future. <laughs> One ring to bind them. You know, you an enemy takes hold of the greatest tool ever. Does it? Does it have the po- That's does, pretty good. Does it have the power to destroy the world? Podcasting. Well, okay, but you'd say the same thing. Did radio destroy the world because Hitler used that for propaganda? No. Man, it led to keeping it, up with the it Kardashians. It led to his power. <laughs> 
fair point. So yep. okay, podcasting ruins the world. All right, that's have, that's, that's it. Show open. We got our show. I'm, open now. I'm saying. <laughs> All right, and then one more. You are entering the new Jerusalem. At the restoration of all things, whatever the hell you think that looks like, somebody's on your arm. Who's walking down? With, who's your hype man or woman? And what's your walk-in music? Well, it's my wife. <laughs> okay, good answer. And, uh, and here's Andy Laura <laughs> and Mercedes. And I'm gonna go with the first thing that popped in my head, which would make no sense. Which would be all the single ladies by Beyonce. Nice. <laughs> it's time. Let's get ready to rumble. I'm a single ladies. I'm a single ladies. Is that the one? If you like it, then you put a yeah. Better put a ring on it. Oh, we'll let keep it going. Scott, right. No, put keep a going. Ring on it. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. If it falls over, we we don't want to fire. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know how we can talk. Anyway, that. all right. Thank you, Andy. Whoa, oh, Thank you, Andy, for oh, oh, for coming on. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. And are you comfortable still promoting Mike Erie with uh, Vox? Oh, absolutely. Vox That's still going on. <laughs> yeah, and it's still good. One hundred percent. If you're interested in in hearing what Mike Erie's up to, it has one hundred percent less Andy Lara. Yes, VoxPodcast.com, the Vox Podcast on Twitter, Did- at Mike Erie on Twitter. <laughs> Did you say Shaking the trees. Did you say it? It has one hundred percent less. Andy <laughs> <Penny> Laura. <laughs> what? Fox podcast. You're no. catching on. Yeah, I guess it depends what, which episode you listen to. That's one hundred percent true or one hundred percent false. Right. Just depends which one you find. It's open Wh- for interpretation. Which fits exactly. with our hyperbolic. We like hyperbole. So, all right. Hey, thanks for being here, Zach. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Zach. Scott, what? I really, I really, I really think that um, don't be mad once you see that you want it. If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. She's like, you smoking weed again? We've totally lost direction here. That's just stupid. Man.